Well, good evening. It's my understanding that uh, there's still some folks that are coming in, but in order to get uh, everything in we're planning on doing, we're going to go ahead and get started. My name is Jeff Walling. I am blessed to serve at Pepperdine University in what's called the Youth Leadership Initiative. It is a project that began about three and a half years ago, designed to try and raise up and encourage the next generation of young Christian leaders. Most of you have probably heard the statistic that in our churches across the country over the last 18 years when a survey was done, the average age of the ministers in our pulpits raised 10 years. Now, that doesn't mean that preachers only aged 10 years in 18 years. What it says is that our pulpits are graying, and maybe you've experienced that some of our churches are as well. Can I get a oh yeah from anybody who understands what I'm talking about there? So, um, it is our pleasure here at Pepperdine to be able to ask the question, what can we do to encourage more young people to consider careers in ministry, to ask, is God calling me into that work? Uh, you know, it's long been said that no one should go into preaching unless they have to. I think by that they meant no one should go into preaching unless God so is calling you that it's, it's just something you've got to do. And in that sense, I agree. But there is another sense in which that phrase has been used. There are some folks who would say to their kids, if one of them said, you know, I'm thinking about ministry, I'm thinking about being a youth minister or a preacher or a teacher, that some parents might even say, oh, no, 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 man. Just look what happened to our preacher. You know, he got eaten alive by the church. Or, or you know, oh, listen, you don't want to do that. That's not steady work. What's your backup plan? I have three boys, so I can relate as a parent to a desire for my kids to have a good job and dental care. Can I get a nod from all the parents here, right? We want those things for them. But at the same time, I recognize that as the pulpits and the churches are graying, one of the reasons is that we do not have as many young people interested in roles in ministry as we did 10 years ago. We have older brothers and sisters who are serving who are staying longer, in part because there may not be somebody right there at the door to take their spot, and we have fewer young people interested. That's why I'm glad you're here tonight and hope that you'll covenant with me to pray that God will raise up more young ministers. And by the way, it wasn't Josh Ross just moving and, and beautiful in the way he used his gift tonight. Can I get a oh yeah from you guys on that? Absolutely. Josh is a, such a gifted young man, and I know that he was mentored and encouraged as a young student. So what you're going to experience tonight in just a couple of minutes are four students who come from all over the country who came to be involved in something we call the Next Gen Preacher Search. As I always say, lame name, cool program. I see one of our coaches sitting out there, Greg Dom, uh, and I also know that there are others who have had students from your congregation involved. Let me show you a quick video that will give you the kind of 45-second uh, understanding of what the Next Gen Preacher Search is all about. Zale?
incredible opportunity where uh, a bunch of people who are just passionate about sharing the gospel and passionate about speaking got to come together and uh, sharpen each other and be sharpened by some of the uh, some of the best minds around when it comes to speaking. It's a weekend for you to learn um, outside of your comfort zone and to just grow and gain great tools. To got me connected with a ton of guys across America that I just don't know if I ever would have gotten to preach next to and rub shoulders with. If you want to be stretched, if you want to be spurred on, if you want to be loved on as you get ready to move on in your ministry, make sure you come and be a part of Next Gen. We began the project uh, three years ago and just finished in February uh, our third, or is it fourth round? Maybe the fourth round of uh, students. So there have been nearly 400 students from all over the country who submitted a little five-minute video. Some of them shot it with their iPhone in their bedroom. Others had someone at the church help them do that. These students were all either sophomores or juniors or seniors in high school or undergraduate college students. After they submitted them, those videos were forwarded to about 40 different ministers in the country who reviewed them, who gave them encouragement, and also gave us some evaluative information so that we could choose 24. Those 24 were invited to come to Pepperdine University for two and a half days of coaching and preaching and teaching for free. Our uh, faculty and staff volunteered. We have staff here who put the students up in their homes, but we feed them and take care of them, and we work them hard. Can I get an oh yeah from the front row? We work them hard for those two and a half days. They bring a new lesson on an assigned topic, and when they do, they work that lesson over and over again through coaching and training sessions until the last six hours. The last six hours of the weekend, we set up professional cameras and bring in a crew, and we professionally videotape their lessons so that they can have them as part of a, you know, a personal resume. If maybe they're going to say, some church says, well, have you got anything that we can take a look at to see if you might be somebody we'd want? Then they've got that provided for them. We then take those videos of the 24, and we go through and uh, evaluate them and take the, have those 40 ministers look at them again. And then we select four. The four are the ones that you will hear tonight. We call them our next-gen ambassadors. They will be traveling with me here in a couple of weeks to speak in Indianapolis, then to speak in Oregon, then to speak in Nashville at uh, Lipscomb University. Uh, punch a couple of slides there, Zale, if you can. Whoops, ah, there we go. Keep going. If you know a young person, and here's your role tonight, if you know a young person, sophomore or junior in high school, senior in high school, or maybe a college student who you feel like has the gift, maybe they're the one in your Bible class you're constantly saying, you're oversharing again, Charles. You know, maybe it's that one that's always talking. Maybe that's what God's called them to. Or a college student, would you please encourage them for free to submit a video to the Next Gen Preacher Search? They can do that at nextgenpreachersearch.com. Well, tonight, you're going to get a chance, press it one more time there, Zale. Um, that was one of, our, one of our ambassadors a couple of years ago, and once more, if you would. You're going to get a chance to hear from uh, four of the students who we have worked with this year. Uh, they are gifted. Two roles I'm going to ask you to play. One, would you please be encouraging? Feel free to say amen. Feel free to nod your head. And can we try one thing? Can everybody just smile for a second? Good, good. That, that will be extremely encouraging for them. Afterwards, if you want to speak to them and give them a word of encouragement, that'll be great. But second and most important, will you be praying for them? This is the first time since the weekend that they've gotten up to share these lessons and the first time they've done them in order, just as they are going to tonight. So one more punch of that button, if you will. 
And uh, you'll get a chance to hear, hear Rachel Yosimura, Dalen Moore, Andrew Hicks, and Joshua Liao. Now, I'm going to ask God to bless them, and then we'll turn them loose. Father, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for these students. And God, I ask as they speak tonight that we would open our hearts, not to hear some kind of performance, but Father, rather to hear your word through your servants. May you bless these young men and women, and may they glorify you tonight, I pray. And in Jesus' name, we all say, amen. There is almost nothing more important than knowing our identity. And when I was younger, I knew exactly who I was. Four feet tall, camouflage clothing, and a mushroom haircut. What do these three things, has, three things have in common? They describe the entirety of my elementary school years. I wore cargo shorts that zipped off at the knees, had a bowl cut, and had a face that said, ooh, I wish you would fight me. It wasn't until middle school that I really grew into myself. I stopped letting my father dress me. I grew people skills. And in my 14-year-old self, I thought I knew exactly who I was. But as you can imagine, that wasn't really true. And I, like so many of us here today, I'm still asking myself the question, who am I? And this is actually an age-old question that people in Bible times were asking themselves. And you know what's awesome? God wrote the answer down for us so we wouldn't forget. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The answer is right here. We are God's children. And that is a profound message. But how many times have we heard that in church and not lived that out every day? If you've had a really tough day at work and your boss is at your throat, is your first reaction to think, ooh, I am a child of God? <laughs> Probably not. And if you get rear-ended on the freeway, your first reaction isn't to think, ooh, I am a child of God. No, you get mad or frustrated or disappointed in yourself. So what's preventing us from living out this truth that we are, in fact, children of God? Well, if we look at verse 15 in this text, we see that the Romans were also struggling with this. Verse 15 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. See, the church in Rome, they were struggling with hearing these voices from other people from within themselves that were saying, you are slaves to sin. You have gone too far for God to be able to save you. You are too dirty for God to love you. And you know what? We still hear these voices today. These voices say, psst, you. You aren't good enough for God to love you. And you, I've seen what you've done. <laughs> no way God's going to love you. And you, you are too broken for anyone to care about you. These are voices that we've been hearing for thousands of years. So how could we possibly live out this truth that we are God's children? 
Oh, again, God wrote down the answer. I love that. We are so forgetful. He wrote it down for us. Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You see, the Holy Spirit has changed everything. The Holy Spirit testifies to our identity. The Holy Spirit that was there on the day that Jesus died on the cross. The Holy Spirit that was there when Jesus was resurrected. That Holy Spirit looks at us testifies to our identity and says, you are God's beloved. And you, oh my gosh, I was there. Jesus died for you. He wanted to be with you so badly that he died for you. And you, you are the one that God looks at so lovingly and so intently every day he watches you. You see, our identity is not a feeling. It is a fact. And that's why I love that Paul uses an adoption metaphor. There's no mistake, it's not a feeling, it's an adoption. And we can see the power of adoption still today. A man named Brian, on his wedding night, asked his soon-to-be stepdaughter, Rebecca, to come to the stage. He gets down on one knee and says, Rebecca, I promise to love you and tuck you in every single night. I vow to hold your hand and skip down the street with you. I promise to protect you and love you with everything I've got. And he pulls out a ring box and asks Rebecca, will you be my daughter for the rest of time? And this is exactly what God has done for us. He has given us a vow a promise. He's adopted us into his family. And you know what? He's even given us the adoption papers. Right here. But our adoption didn't take place at a courthouse. It took place at the cross. So, when something inside of us asks, who am I? We have to remember that there will always be voices telling us who we are not, from outside, from inside. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit that cries, Abba, Father. You see, Abba is a word that indicates an intimate relationship. It can be paralleled to something like little Rebecca crying out, Daddy. So when we hear these voices lying to us, telling us who we are not, we have to slow down, listen to the Holy Spirit, and hear our spirit crying out, Abba, Father, for we are children of God. I am a child of God. Amen. Amen. I am a child of God. Can you say it with me this evening? I am a child of God. Now, can we say it like we believe it? I am a child of God. Now, can we say it and include our neighbors? Can we say, we are children of God? Say it with me. We are children of God. Now, say it like you believe it with all of your heart. We are children of God. But what if? What if life has hijacked your identity? What do you do when the insecurities of life seem to have choked out the, the identity that you have in Christ? What do we do in our lives? When it seems as if we don't feel like we're children of God, what do we do when we are handcuffed and bound up and chained up by the problems of life? What do we do maybe even tonight 
where it seems like our insecurities have got the best of us, where it seems like our inadequacies of us never measuring up to the love of God, to the grace of God, to the favor of God. What if it seems like we are bound up by that and we can't live into our identity as people of Christ? What do we do then? How much will we cry out? How loud will we cry to God for him to hear our plea for freedom, for him to hear our plea for acceptance and deliverance? What do we do when we're crying out so loud for God? But it seems as if he isn't listening. It seems as if God has turned his back on us. What are we to do when we have cried for so long and it seems as if God is not listening to us? What do we do then? In the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to some people who may be in a similar situation like that. And maybe tonight you are in that situation. Maybe you have cried out so long for relief, for deliverance, for freedom, for acceptance, for love from God. And what I want you to know tonight is this, that God hears your cries, that God hears and he sees your pain and your longings. And not only does he hear and not only does he see, but God comes to our rescue. Amen. God, he comes to our rescue. So in the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia to a group of Christians who have just come in contact with the way and the truth and the life of Jesus. But yet they were still trying to hold on to their former way, to their former life and to their former truth. They were still trying to hold on to living a life uh, bound by the old law, trying to win the acceptance and the favor of God. They were trying to do all this to earn the love of God. And they were still bound by the sins that they were entangled by. And Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. He says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And I'm wondering what they are free from. He's saying they're free from this law. And he goes on and in chapter 5 of Galatians. He says, this is what also you're free from. He talks about the acts of the simple flesh. He said, you are free from sexual immorality, from every impurity, from greed, from idolatry, from drunkenness. This is what you are free from. And what I want you to know tonight is this, is that here in Malibu, California in 2018, we too are people who are free. By the Spirit of God, because of the Spirit of God, for the Spirit of God, we are people who are free from our past, free from trying to measure up to a love that God would love. We are free from our inadequacies and insecurities and from our sins. We are free. We are daughters and sons of God because of the Spirit of God who dwells inside of us. And tonight, may we just rest in that. May we just rest in our freedom as people of God. But so what? So what that we're free? So what that we're free from our sin and our shame and our past? So what that we are free? What are we going to do in our freedom? That's why I love the way the Apostle Paul says this on in Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22. He says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord, and this is our identity in Christ. As people who have been freed from our sin and our shame, we are freed not just to sit down and do what we want to do. We are freed to live into our Holy Spirit identity, to live as people who are loving and people who are kind, to live as people who are injecting gentleness and holiness into every situation in our lives. Because we have been freed by the Spirit of God. And what that means is this, because we are free, 
This is what has happened. In verse 24, Paul says that those of us in this room who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And we no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in us. We've crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires, and so we are free to live into our Holy Spirit identity. Paul says also in Galatians 5 and verse 13, he says, brothers and sisters, you're free, but this is what you're free to do. You're free to serve one another humbly in love. You're free to love your neighbor as yourself. You are free to serve. You are free to love. You are free to care because of the Spirit of God who dwells inside of you. You are free to inject gentleness and holiness in every conversation, in every relationship because of what Christ has done for us. We are free just to be the type of people that we are called to be, just to tap into our Holy Spirit identity at the coffee shop and in the classroom and the group message and at the family gathering. We are free to tap into our Holy Spirit identity. So tonight, here in Malibu, California, May we know that as we cry out to God, as we cry out to God for deliverance, as we cry out to God for freedom, he hears our cries, but not only does he hear our cries, he actually comes to our rescue. And so by the presence of the Spirit of God, we are called to believe that we are free. But we are not free just to close up our Bibles and cross our arms and sit back. No, we are free to walk in step with the Spirit of God. But how are we to access the power you of the have Spirit of God. got to be kidding me. That's what I said after I opened my brand new Nintendo Wii fresh out of the box. I was so excited. And I started hooking it up to my TV and I, I put the game in and it was just about ready when... Would you believe that they did not include the batteries? And there that thing sat all night long, that stupid blue light shining in my face, all of its potential being wasted, just teasing me. And I'm reminded of a certain apostle who was writing to a certain young student of his to make sure that he didn't waste his potential. If you can, you can look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Here's what it says. I am reminded of your sincere faith which lived first in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and which I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us is not a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Now you got to look kind of close. But there's a lot going on here. It seems like Paul is at the end of his life here. And he's kind of passing on the baton to his young student, Timothy. Kind of handing over the ministry. And there's this question in Timothy's mind. Like he didn't have enough going on. Because it seems like while he's ministering in Ephesus, he's got this threat of false teachers. Are my people going to run away? And so it's always, am I going to be teaching good enough? And then there's these people who are probably wanting to look down their noses at him because he's so young. Well, I have been at First Church of Ephesus for 20 years, and I think I know a thing or two, and you, you just don't need to change everything right now. And then to make matters worse, it seems like his mentor is about to die. Passing off the baton, and you can hear what Timothy says, can't you? Can you hear it? He says, how could I ever live up to your ministry? You're the Apostle Paul. 
Who am I to live up to that? And you see what Paul says? He says, Timothy, there have been too many people who have put logs on your fire for you to just let this thing die out. First off, he says, well, mom and grandma, they raised you. It started in Grandma Lois, and then it moved on to Mother Eunice, and then it lived in him. Do you see the progression of this faith here? He says, Timothy, you remember when Grandma and Mom took you to, the, to Sunday school every week, I guess Saturday school at the synagogue, and they took you every week, and they made sure that you had your memory verse memorized. They would sit with you after dinner every night and help you, and they were so proud after you finished the Bible Bowl, they went out and got you a calfskin leather NIV study Bible with your name in gold right there on the front cover. Don't you remember, Timothy? And I'm imagining that it's that way for you, isn't it? Have you had a grandma or a mom or a grandpa or a dad or a father or mother figure of some kind who has passed on the faith to you? And at the time you said, I don't want to go to Sunday school, but they made you go to Sunday school. And now looking back, you're really happy they did. But then he he takes it one step further. He says, not only did did mom and grandma teach you, but I laid my hands on you. And this is probably reminiscent of something that was in 1 Timothy where the church in Ephesus laid their hands on him, calling him to ministry. And there must have been something special about Timothy. I mean, Paul thought he was pretty important. Have you had someone like that? It doesn't have to be this grand figure. It could be that little old lady after you gave a little Wednesday night devotional and she said, you know, I think you've really got a knack for this. You should try it again. Or maybe your youth minister said, man, you have got so much passion. Would you mind to lead singing at at the weekend retreat? It could have been someone who just took you under their wing, who guided you along, kind of like Paul did with Timothy. But in a place like this, it's inevitable that there is someone who hasn't had mom, grandma, or Paul. And so you say, well, what about me? (laughs) Good news. The best part is what comes next. Because it wasn't mom and grandma. It wasn't even Paul himself. That wasn't the biggest deal. It was the Holy Spirit of God which indwelt him. He says, yeah, mom and grandma taught. Yes, even Paul laid his hands on. But above all else, church, the Holy Spirit of God indwelt Timothy. And that is what makes all the difference. And that is why he has had too much put on his fire for him to just let this thing die out. He has no excuse not to live up to his fullest potential because he has been given everything that he could possibly imagine ever needing. Power, love, and self-discipline. I got good news, my friends. God has gifted you and he has called you and he's included the batteries. You've got everything you need. Man, what a good story that was. But, you know, I think he was missing two things that make a great story. On the one hand, you have teenage boys. and On the other hand, you have matches. <laughs> so I'm going to take you back to the time that I was in the ninth grade and I had a couple of my best friends over to celebrate my 14th birthday with me. So it's about 7 o'clock and we're finishing up dinner. We're finishing up a platter of Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. 
About 8 o'clock, we're watching the Memphis Grizzlies game. By 9 o'clock, TV and video games have both gotten boring. So about 9.30, we're sitting there thinking to ourselves, you know, we're in high school now. Why not try something different, something that we've never done? Lo and behold, we decide to go outside and build a fire. Now, just a little background. My birthday is on February 29th, 2000. Uh, by the way, that's leap day, so if you never met a leap day baby, now you have. <laughs> but the point is, February in Memphis, Tennessee, do you know how cold that is? That's about 20 degrees and dry, and that's Fahrenheit. I'm sure that's something that you guys never experience out here in Malibu, California. So anyway, we get outside and we're freezing. We gather wood, we gather sticks, and we throw it on a fire pit. And here go the matches. Wait a second. There's nothing there. There's only a few flames. How's this going to keep us warm? So one of my friends, he runs inside and he grabs some used paper out of the recycling bin. Another one snags a newspaper off the kitchen table while I stay outside. I'm gathering leaves, gathering additional sticks. And after we throw it into the fire, all four of us, we sit there and we fan that flame, hoping that one piece of wood will catch right in the middle. And thankfully, about 15 minutes later, we see a fire start to burn. It starts to erupt and it starts to get bigger and bigger until finally starts to keep us warm. Can you see this fire here? I, I want you to keep this image of a fire in your head as we take a second look at 2 Timothy 1, 6-7, where Paul is writing to the mentee, Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Now, Paul here is writing to Timothy. Paul the mentor and Timothy the student. I think this is a special relationship here that we can take a second look at. In fact, this is a relationship that many people today draw inspiration from. There's one key component here. Because Paul is encouraging Timothy here. Keyword, encourage. That's something special, if you ask me. Because look, Paul knows that his student has something in him. He has the Holy Spirit inside of him. And Paul here, I think, is comparing the Holy Spirit to a fire as something that can get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because when this fire gets bigger, it becomes more powerful. When it becomes more powerful inside of us, it begins to take more control of our lives to the point where we begin to think more like God, where we begin to act more like God. And you know that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but governed by the spirit is eternal life. So what exactly does Paul mean by fanning the flame? Well, for Timothy, I think that meant, look, fan the flame, step up, become the leader that you were meant to be. Let me give you some historical context, right? Paul is now, this is his second time in prison. He's basically on his deathbed. He knows that this may very well be the last letter that he ever writes to his dear mentee, Timothy. And he knows if, if there's any chance to do this, like this is it, right? This is in a time period where the Roman Emperor Nero is 
persecuting Christians. Now I want you to put yourself in the shoes of one of those Christians 2,000 years ago. Imagine being fearful, being frightened, being afraid. The church is wavering. You need a leader. And just so happens that Paul knows that Timothy is this leader that Christians need. So he, the Spirit is there to guide Timothy. Now, for me, fanning the flame has meant something a little different. Uh, for me, it's been just a simple Bible study. I remember one Sunday night after church, a fellow by the name of Alex Guy approaches me and he says, Hey, Josh, do you want to start a Bible study? Next thing I know, once a week for the past two years, I have been beyond blessed to be able to meet with three of my closest friends, Cole, Ryan, and Colin, and our mentor, Alex. Now, these three guys, these are the same guys that were around that fire freshman year when we were trying to build that fire. So now we're gathering weekly to dive deeper into the Word, really trying to listen to what God is saying to us through Alex, through the Bible. But beyond that, we have been able to develop deep friendships filled with the love of Christ. But even more important than that, we've been able to develop accountability, which for me has been one of the most important things as I finish out high school here. You see, at one point in ninth grade, we were fanning the flame, literally igniting that fire to warm us on the outside. But now, we were fanning the flame eternally to ignite us on the inside. Now, what might fanning the flame mean for you? Maybe it's taking up the role of mentorship. It's just like Paul mentored Timothy, just like Alex is a mentor to me. Or maybe it's using a gift that God has given you to serve in the church. Maybe to lead worship. Because as this fire grows, it begins to spread and show up in all different areas of our life. Paul names three traits. Power, love, and self-discipline. We have the power to be bold in our faith. To reach out to somebody who may otherwise never get to know who Jesus Christ is. We get this love that comes so purely from heaven. This love that we get to share with others. And we get this self-discipline. Which I think is one of the most powerful weapons. Accountability. One of the most powerful weapons in this never-ending battle against Satan. You know, the list doesn't end there. You have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So in conclusion, oh wait, I just realized that I forgot to tell you the end of the story. So let's flash back, back, back to the time that I was in ninth grade. So it's about 1 a.m. now, and you know, 14-year-old guys doing things that only 14-year-old guys would understand. We've chanted, marched around the fire. About 2 a.m., we're getting kind of hungry. And, you know, we thought it'd be a practical joke. It'd be funny to order pizza from whichever pizza place closed the latest around town. It's about 2.59. We're sitting in the front of my driveway waiting for the pizza delivery guy to come. And about 3 a.m., this poor man finally drives up and delivers us our pizza. Now, in hindsight, I'm 18 years old now. And that's, that's four years removed from this incident. And I realize, man, that probably wasn't the nicest thing to do to the guy. But I think I learned an even more valuable lesson. I learned how to tip. <laughs> so anyway, about 4 o'clock, we're finishing up our pizza. 
and we remember that my parents, early on in the night, made it a point to tell us that we needed to put the fire out before we went to bed. And initially, we thought, okay, let's just let this fire die out by itself. No big deal. But about 4.30, this fire is still going. It's still keeping us warm. And we got to find a way to put it out. You know, we could have, you know, used dirt, maybe scrambled on the fire, let it die, but I don't think that would have worked. We probably could use a fire extinguisher to spray it out, but unfortunately, we didn't have a fire extinguisher. You know, we probably could have even called the fire department. But if we did call the fire department, I'm 99.9% .9 sure that the night would have ended with my parents yelling all up in my ears. So eventually we realized the only way to do it was to put it out with a hose. Now this fire, it got so big, but eventually it died. On the contrary, I think Paul is talking about a fire that will never die. This fire inside of us that will get so big that nothing on this earth can stand in its way. When we fan the spirit into flame. When we trust the power of the Spirit of God in us. When we embrace our freedom to walk in step with the Spirit of God. When we know the Holy Spirit has made us children of God, then nothing, nothing can, can stop, stop the, the Spirit-filled children of God. God. I'm going to ask these guys to uh, grab these uh, chairs and get them up here for a moment because I... Uh, I wish you could get to know them individually, and uh, I know some of you do. In fact, just uh, just uh, for the sake of it here, uh, who's who knows Rachel Yoshimura here in the house? She's a Pepperdine student. We've got some some family. We've got some teachers that are here. Praise God for that. Uh, let's see, uh, Andrew Hicks. I know your wife is here with you, Sarah. Wa uh, Hannah, wave your hand. She's. She's here supporting. Glad she is. And uh, I believe, uh, Josh, uh, some of your family is here. Am I right? Where's the Liao's? There we go. Awesome. Glad you guys are here. You're the ones who didn't have to meet the fire department. That's awesome. And uh, Dalen, uh, you're a Harding guy, right? How many, how many Harding folks have we got here? Do we have some Harding students? I know Hannah is. Good deal. Uh, what, uh, what I want to do is give you a chance to give them maybe a word of encouragement, but hopefully maybe a question. I'm going to start with one, and we'll spend a couple of minutes uh, just uh, letting them share. Uh, my question is very simple. What prompts you to want to be involved with preaching and teaching? What, what prompts you to want to say, man, I'm going to risk it, putting my video out there for the next-gen preacher search for all the world to see when you, uh, when you decided to throw your hat in the ring? And I'm going to start way down there with Dalen and work our way down. Alrighty, so uh, I was approached by some of my professors at Harding, and I was talking with my youth minister about entering the Next Gen Preacher Search, and I had known of some people who had entered it, and it was just something that uh, I've preached. I've been around my dad and my, and my brother who were preachers, and it was just something that, that I felt uh, that God was calling me to do, and so that was something that I was doing at a young age, and I was excited when I uh, knew of this opportunity to be a part of the Next Gen Preacher Search, and I've been blessed by it. And, um, been a good thing uh, for me. So, Dalen, your dad's a preacher and your brother's a preacher. Yes. Wow. My, Which my one of them wrote your sermon for you? <laughs> <laughs> Neither. Uh, I didn't think so. I, 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 th I thought I thought that was that was uh, God using you in that. And how uh, how often do you get to preach right now? Uh, I preach uh, once or twice a month. Okay. Um, at different churches throughout um, Arkansas. Fantastic. And how old are you? Uh, Twenty. Twenty years old. 
Praise God. And already preaching all over the state. That's awesome. Josh? Well, I'm going to start by telling a funny story. I got this. There's a shock. <laughs> got this email November 10th, or is it October 10th, about five days before the, before the deadline to send in a video. I look at it, and I thought, oh, I got some friends I could probably forward this email to. So I had a, I have a good friend named Jackson Cobb. Um, the first time that I actually preached was with him. We did like a dual sermon, like a bro sermon, um, <laughs> when we were on a mission trip in Belize. So that was actually the first time I had ever preached. And he, he's just, he's one of my best friends. We're the same age, but I, I look up to him. Um, but I just thought this would be like something that Jackson would want to do. So I send the email to him, and it turns out he didn't get the email. So he didn't end up applying, but I, he's definitely going to apply next year. So because he didn't end up applying, I thought, oh, I might as well give it a shot. I was, my mindset was um, I just wanted to you know, gain additional skills on how I could be a leader within my youth group, really, really involved in my youth group. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Um, so I just wanted to better equip myself to lead some of the younger kids. Um, cool. Cool, cool, and we're uh, we're glad you did. I believe is your youth minister. Uh, I, I saw I saw somebody from your my your youth my group. youth ministers aren't here, but our okay. two wonderful preaching ministers are here, Eric and Chris. Awesome, awesome. Praise God for that for that support. And Josh, you are how old? I am eighteen. Eighteen years old. And so when you threw your hat in the ring, you were seventeen, right? I back was 17, uh, back yes, last sir. year, and uh, you have graduated from high school. And where will you be this coming fall? I will be attending the great Pepperdine University. <laughs> We're excited about that. Thanks, man. Uh, do you get to do sermons or lessons uh, for you from uh, time to time? Yeah, so one way that I've been able to fine-tune my skills is through FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which mm -hmm. is a school club at my school that me, along with two or three other seniors, we lead on a weekly basis. So we meet every Thursday morning, and one of the seniors will give a talk. So... I've been able to give a talk several times throughout the year. Fantastic. Thank you. Andrew. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I was, I was kind of reaching around. That's right. Sure yeah, you can just on. leave them on. Go yeah. for it. Um, I started being interested in preaching when I was 14. Hmm. Um, I, who, who encouraged you? How did that happen? It started with little old, it, there's no one event I can remember, but mm -hmm. I, I said the thing in my sermon about the little old lady who says, you've really got an act for this. And there, mm -hmm. there is something to be said for being called, maybe not through bright lights and burning bushes, but being called <laughs> through uh, the little moments in the church every day. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I found that to be true from those little ladies that said, you should try lads to leaders. And so I'm like, okay, so I tried that or... <laughs> And then uh, there, there's this little bitty Christian college attached to my high school back home in Paragould, Arkansas, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Crowley's Ridge College. Mm -hmm. And they send out their preaching students to these little bitty churches all over the area. And whenever they don't have enough preachers to fill, they have a list. And so I got my name on the list some way or another. And so I started just preaching around at these little bitty churches. And I just fell in love uh, yeah. preaching. And then uh, just continued in it and... Uh, I'm a sophomore at Harding, and some friends were telling me about this next-gen preacher search thing, and so I said, okay, I'll give it a try. If Jeff Walling's involved, then I want to be involved. Oh, so, wow, yeah. I, uh, it's too late to kiss up, man. You're already <laughs> yeah. chosen, yeah. so, you know. <laughs> well, and uh, Andrew, you get a chance to preach fairly regularly these days. Uh, yeah, every Sunday I preach at this little bitty congregation outside Searcy. Uh, on a good Sunday, we have like 15 people. It's real cute, real country backwater. It's, it's awesome. And every Sunday I'll go out there and, and preach. I'm sure they are thankful to have you there. How old are you, Andrew? I'm 19. 
19 years old and preaching every Sunday. Just kind of let that sink in. Rach. Yes. Um, I got involved with Next Gen Preacher Search by a fantastic man by the name of Jeff Wallach. Oh, please. So I am um, a graduated Pepperdine student on this past Saturday. Um, so, yes. Congratulations. Thank you. you know, passed the classes. Didn't get attacked by pelicans, so that was great. <laughs> um, but I attended an event where, of course, Jeff was speaking. We got to talking afterwards, and he told me about the Next Gen Preacher Search. And I figured, well, I like public speaking. And I like God, so okay, I'll try it out. <laughs> um, I had no idea, no desire to go into preaching or occupational ministry. I mean, I've been a Christian for a little while now. Well, not a little while, several years now. Um, and I never pictured myself preaching or doing any type of ministry work. Um, but it was actually through this opportunity as well as a lot of other things that God did in my life in the last literally two months. Um, that now I, I do feel a calling towards ministry. So, yeah. Praise God for that. Uh, where will you be this fall? This fall, I will be attending Pepperdine for the Master's in Ministry program. That's exciting, and we are excited uh, to, to have you. She's a gifted young lady all the way from? Hoi. What city? I'm from Kailua on the island of Oahu. Great. And her mom and dad have come all the way from Hawaii to be here, also to see her graduation. I think that was part of it, too. But we're awfully glad to have the Yoshimura family with us, uh, with us here. Um, all right. Uh, that's a little bit about them. It, I'll let you guys, uh, we've just got a, a maybe five minutes to ask a couple of questions or give them a word of encouragement. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for probably the elephant in the room for everyone who's from Church of Christ. I am, in fact, a woman. Um, yes, so when I felt this call towards ministry, it was like 15 blaring signs from the Lord. And I looked him straight in the face and I said, no. Um, and part of the reason that I had in my heart was, well, God... I am a woman, and I don't think that disqualifies me at all, but like you said, there are people who aren't comfortable, and I just felt that, you know, that would prevent people from hearing God's truth boldly, and I was like, God, just choose someone else, and it was very much a Moses moment, <laughs> and so I talked to some of the um, women chaplains and ministers on campus who are fantastic. Sarah Barton is someone I met with personally, um, and she just had such encouraging words for me. She said, um, she also, you know, from Church of Christ background and sort of deals with this a lot. She's actually written a whole book about it. And she said that she just remembers the story of Mary and Martha. And so um, you all are probably familiar with that passage, but she just thinks that, you know, she's just sitting at the Lord's feet, just listening and learning and serving the Lord. And really just leave Martha alone. <laughs> she's doing it right, you know. So that is a, a thing that I've stored in my heart going forward. So it is honestly intimidating, but I know that some fantastic women have really just blazed the way for us. So I'm very thankful to be serving in this time. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. I've, uh, I've, yeah, I think that's appropriate. I've, 
I've encouraged all of the gentlemen and the ladies that uh, not all of our students are going to go out and, quote, be a preacher. In fact, uh, quite frankly, there's a lot of folks that think, man, a preacher, that just feels so limiting. But anybody who's been a youth minister, anybody who has served as a missionary, anyone who has taught college classes uh, at a church or even high school classes know the importance of the ability to get up and teach and preach. And so we're, uh, we're thankful that these uh, men and women will be used in a number of different ways as God opens doors for them. Garrett. How do you, I mean, do you have that fear? And if so, how do you, how do you approach that? I mean, what, what's your strategy, I guess? Uh, I'll, Please. I'll, I'll start us. Can I hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that, that fear, like that idea is so intimidating. Last summer, I was doing a preaching internship at a church, and I was teaching the adult class every, um, every Wednesday and then preaching occasional Sundays. And so I was, I was teaching every Wednesday to people who were, um, I think the youngest were, uh, I think 25, the oldest was 90. And so that was just like very real. And so one of the things that I tried to do in that context, get to know people, um, um, get to know them and they get to know me. And then um, even if you can't do that, if it's like you're in at a church quick and um, there's a lot of older members there and you don't like you're not there regularly I, I I do a lot of like inclusive language and not saying that hey you're wrong or you struggle with this or sometimes saying just a very practical thing that we may at times struggle with this and maybe you have dealt with this before and this is how um, I have gained some strength from the scriptures or from the spirit and so that's one thing I do so two things getting to know people and then more inclusive not just you but we uh, uh, for me, you know, when, we were, when we were over there right before we were about to come on, I was thinking to myself, this doesn't make sense. I'm about to speak to my two preaching ministers who are wonderful and beloved. And I'm so glad that they're here. But I was thinking to myself, like, this, whoa, like, this hasn't registered in my head yet. But, and, and to be quite honest with you, um, I, don't, I don't really think about how I'm speaking to older people in a sense that, like, I'm afraid of them or, like, for me, it's more of, you know, when we were here in February, there was one of the speakers that, that came up and, and gave us a message on how um, we have to tailor our message towards how the audience is, um, age group, you know. So for me, I, I just try to make it a, a kind of a, a broader, through my messages, a, a broader perspective. Um, most of them through FCA have been, like, geared towards teenagers. I mean, for them, it's kind of easy. Uh, just to talk about teenager struggles because, I mean, I'm still a teenager, so it's easy to relate with them. But I guess for adulthood, I guess I'm still still making steps towards um, adulthood. So I guess maybe when I get there one day, I'll be able to re relate to you guys better. <laughs> but uh, but uh, for now, I, my general um, mindset is just just to speak what God is trying to say through me. Amen. Uh, something that I, I talked to my my preaching minister back home at my church about this. I was going to go preach somewhere and spoke to him about it, and I was telling him I'm nervous. Uh, 
small side story. I, I'd preached at this church before, and there was uh, there was this elder who uh, I was in the lobby, and he looked at me, made sure we made eye contact, and then looked away and walked down the other hallway as a very distinct gesture. And I was I was kind of upset about it. I mean, I mean, it's not a it's kind of a big deal, but it's not a big <laughs> deal. I mean, other than just kind of hurt. And so I was talking about that, and uh, and he said, you know, it, first off, it doesn't matter so long as you're teaching fundamentals. Because um, generally, you don't have anything to worry about when you're going back to the fundamentals and teaching those. And then if I was teaching something that maybe uh, was a little touchier, I would try to approach it generally with just a, a real quiet, humble sense and just say, well, this is what I'm seeing here, uh, and, and try to be more dialogical there. But uh, I, I, that, that conversation with him just really sticks out in my mind from that time because I was like, who am I to say something to them? Mm. I think I'm supposed to say something now, since everyone's right. supposed to. <laughs> you don't have to. No, no, yeah. Um, so I, to be honest, haven't had that much experience. I accepted this calling in my life about two months ago. <laughs> but I, because of God, have had actually a handful of experiences mm -hmm. preaching um, now. And I think um, the biggest thing that I've learned in that time, whether it's fear about you know preaching to people that have a lot more experience in life and with the Lord, to be honest, um, I just spend a lot of time in preparing my message and just sitting with the Lord and asking him what he wants to say. Amen. And that, like, through the next-gen preacher search, I think the biggest lesson I learned besides, um, you know, delivery and speech and theology was just humility and that preaching is really setting it up so that the Holy Spirit does all the work. Mm. Um, and so I think fear is just a part of me stepping away from that, and I think that's helped my fear with that. Amen. Amen. Good answers. We got maybe time for one more question, if there is one, or comment. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say a word of encouragement. Um, Jeff, I appreciate you uh, raising the value of preaching. Every act of service in the kingdom of God is valuable and worthwhile. Amen. I'd like to close by praying for these students, but uh, one of them used, and a couple of them did the text about Paul's laying on of hands. I, I don't know exactly what that looked like, and uh, I certainly 
don't believe that we've got apostolic gifts necessarily to pass on, but if you are a minister, youth minister, uh, preacher, if you're a shepherd, uh, could I ask you for just for this last moment, would you mind coming up and just putting a hand on their shoulder and we're going to just pray for them, pray over them, and, uh, and just ask God to bless them. Once again, if you know a sophomore, junior, senior, a college student who you think might have a gift and might have an interest, there is no charge for them to be involved in this program. Uh, one of the reasons there is no charge is Pepperdine University has been funding it. Part of my role uh, is to raise funds to continue to support it. So uh, if you have any interest in supporting this, you can do so through the Church Leaders Council here at Pepperdine. be happy to answer questions for you after we get done about that. But man, I am just going to try. No, I'm not even going to try to do this. I'm going I'm to grab a brother here and let him, let him pray for these guys because I'll start crying otherwise. Because this is the picture of the future. It is us who have the baton in our hands, passing it and encouraging and lifting up the next generation. Can I get an amen? Yeah. All right. Would you, bro? Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so blown away by what, we, what we've seen here tonight from these amazing young people. And with all my years in the church, Heavenly Father, I just am blown away. And I, and I just can't even comprehend what we saw here tonight and what we saw you doing through these young people. We truly saw the Holy Spirit at work here tonight. And Heavenly Father, we know that this is not an easy task. And for those of us that have done it, we will all... Be honest with you and ourselves and admit that this is a challenging, challenging thing to do and a daunting task to jump into headfirst as these young people are doing. And Heavenly Father, just be with them. Give them strength. Give them courage. They're going to have times of doubt. They're going to have difficult times. They're going to have difficult conversations. Just be with them, Heavenly Father, and lift them up. When they're in those times, lift them up. Surround them with people who will encourage them. Surround them with people who will help to keep pointing them back to you regardless of what's happening around them. When they run into those people who are going to say negative things, just help them to let those things pass by. Help them to just focus on you, Lord. Help them to focus on the path that you've put them on. We know that the Holy Spirit works where the Holy Spirit works, and we saw that here in action tonight, Heavenly Father, and we just pray that you will continue to be with these young kids. Continue to be with everyone who is out there doing the work of the Lord. Lift them up, Heavenly Father. Keep them on the right path and help them to be a light not only to all of us, but to other young people out there so that hopefully they will also have that desire to fan the flame and to follow after you. So Heavenly Father, please just be with these young people. Lift them up. Be with all of us. Help us to be here to support them, to love them, to pray for them, and to always point them back to you. Most of all, Heavenly Father, just ask that you will continue to bless all of us, continue to help all of us use the gifts that you've given for us. And most of all, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Have a great evening. Feel free to say a word to these guys. And we've got one more day of harbor. We'll look forward to it in the morning. God bless.